This next section we're going to be talking about is what the church can do. And I thought Becky did a great job of laying out the theological underpinnings of what we do and why we do it. And right now, for this next period of time, it's going to be an intensely, I hope, very practical time in which I give you a lot of different ideas of what the church can actually do based upon what Becky has shared with us in the last hour. So, the first thing I want to just to get started is to tell you that our, our family ministries in our church has a mission statement, just what Becky was talking about, and it mirrors the church's mission statement because we want to be in tandem with what the what our overall church is doing and our mission statement is to come alongside families as the primary spiritual influencers of their children leading and inviting children into life-changing and ever-growing relationships with Jesus Christ so there's a lot to unpack in that whole statement but again the key words that I want you to pick up is that we are coming alongside parents. We are trying to work together as partners. We're not trying to supplant the parents in their responsibility. We're trying to raise them up in what they're doing. So there are a couple of basic programs that I want to tell you about that we do at the church. And the programs that we do, so that you understand this, are based upon our mission, our vision, and our values. And I, I, I won't tell you all of our values, but a couple of our values are these. That we want all of our ministries to be child-targeted and Christ-centered. That that's the most important thing. That we are biblical in what we're teaching the kids and that we are on target with that. So we want it to be child-targeted, Christ-centered. And then, beyond that, we are wanting our programs to be both creative and relevant. So those are important words that we throw out. The other um, word that I'm going to throw out to you in regard to what a church can do is this word, safe. Increasingly, we live in a, a dangerous society and it's important for, well, this is really a terrible thing, but there's been a lot of clergy abuse scandals back in our area and in our state with the Attorney General, and it was, it's a big mess. And so we want parents to feel totally comfortable sending their children to our programs. So everything that we do in terms of where, how we organize our teams to work together, we do background checks including criminal abuse checks, child abuse checks, FBI fingerprinting on all volunteers because we want everyone to feel confident and comfortable knowing that they can send their children and their children will be safe. And when, they're, and when we do that, that has a big impact on the parents that are concerned about that. Another important word is we want our ministry to be fun. There was a, um, Jim Rayburn is the founder of Young Life. And, and one of his most famous quotes is, it's a sin to bore a kid with a gospel because that's the greatest news on earth. And so we want to think about how we're inviting kids in a fun way, in a, in a relational way, to hear the gospel and to learn about who Jesus is. So I want to just tell you a little bit about just our curriculum that we use. And I, I am not 
a spokesperson for this curriculum, so I, I, there's, but I just want to tell you about it just because it, it leads into this discussion. So we use this material called True, and we really like it because it's very family focused. In, in what it does, and it provides a lot of different resources. But what I did, when we switched over to that curriculum, I decided that I was going to make an acronym for TRUE to describe our ministry, because you know, people can't remember a whole lot of words. You know, if you say, to invite parents and you know, to come alongside parents as the primary spiritual influence of their children, writing their children life-changing, how we're growing relationships with Christ, no one remembers that. So, we have three words we use for true. The first word is transformational. We want our ministries to be transformational. So that includes both the elements of inviting children into a life-changing relationship with Christ, number one, and then helping them to grow in their faith as they become transformed more and more into Christ-likeness. So that's the T. The R stands for relational. And the most important relationship is that vertical relationship between ourselves and God. But it's also horizontal. So we want to build relationships between leaders and parents, parents and kids. You, know, you, you get the whole web that we're trying to build. So we want our ministry to be relational. And the other word that just coincidentally happens to fit with this whole conference is we want our ministry to be unstoppable. And what I mean by unstoppable is we want kids to know that having a dynamic relationship with Christ and making a difference for Christ in this world isn't something that you do when you get to be an adult, but it's something that you can do right now as a, as a young person and that you can be involved in ministry and being Christ's hands and feet in the world. And so a lot of the programs we design, we're trying to design that so the kids get an existential, experiential understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower. So that's something that I just want to tell you about. And if you want to hear about some of our other um, ways we do that, I'm glad to tell you a little bit about that later. But right now, what I want to do is take about, well, I'm going to take a little time to give you about 30 different ideas that you can do in your church. And so I'm just going to tell you things that we do. I don't want you to think that I'm trying to say you should do all of these things or you should do any of them. But it but when I share an idea with you, it might spark something in your mind that you say, yeah, that would work in our church or in our situation. And so I want you to just think about some of these things with an open mind and think how you might be able to incorporate some of these ideas. Um, let's see. What else do I want to tell you? Okay, so several years ago when I was starting family ministries in the church, I needed to come up with a name. And there's a, a man named Mark Holman, and he was influential to me. I heard him at a conference one time, and he coined this phrase, and I liked it so well that I decided that I would adopt it for our ministries. And he called it Home Court Advantage. I thought that was a cool name. So. We've designed programs at our church that are broken up into two categories. We call them Home Court Advantage Belong and Home Court Advantage Grow. So I'm going to just tell you a little bit about that. Because the other, I should tell you, we have four values 
in, at Memorial Park in our church. So it's worship, grow, belong, and serve. So that's where these, so I'm trying to um, come alongside the church's total mission and just be reflective of that in what we're doing in our ministries. So home court advantage belong are things in which we help people just connect relationally with each other. And it, it doesn't necessarily have a spiritual component, although a lot of our programs do. So we might do something like a fall family festival in which we bring everybody together to just celebrate the season and just, and just have fun together. Because you don't always have to like make everything just about one kind of program. It can be a wider-ranging thing. So we just, so it's mostly for fun. It's just for building relationships among parents and kids and each other, and that's a great time. We also do, every year at Christmas and Easter, we do um, something that helps the kids and their families focus on the reason for the season. And so the Advent activity, what well, I call it Advent activity because I like alliteration. So most of my things have alliteration in them somewhere along the line. So we do an Advent activity and it might be an actual party of some sort or it's a teaching resource that we create for Advent that families can do together to help bring the, the message of the season to the forefront of kids' minds. Um, also in Resurrection Celebration, it would be the same thing sometimes we do do a big party, a big breakfast, we do a big egg hunt. We, we have a lot of fun with it, but we're always um, using that opportunity to present the gospel to kids so that they can um, understand the meaning of what Jesus did for us. Um, we've also done things like just fun winter events like up in our area. Um, we go snow tubing or go to an indoor water park. Or, again, it's just Activities designed to try to build the community of families and friendships within our church. So that, that, that's home court belong. Home court grow, I'm going to just take a little bit more time with that. Again, I am not a spokesperson for this organization, but the True Curriculum puts out a magazine that's pretty cool. It's called At Home Monthly. And, and they allow us to make copies of their magazine for free. So it's this really cool magazine. It has articles on like a fun craft that you can make, Bible stories you can tell your kids. It has some recipes that you can try that are family friendly. But it also has articles on marriage, parenting, working with a middle school student, working with your high school student, grandparenting. So it, it covers a gamut of different topics every month and what we've done for our, some of our family nights is to just take a lot of the ideas from that magazine and we bring them all to life at our church and we do it and then we say, and here, you can read all about this in this article or this issue of this magazine and we're trying to just, again, try to begin to promoting ideas that would get parents to think about, okay, this is something that I could do at home or, or something that I can incorporate into the daily life of my family. So that's, that's another idea. Um, also, we've run a couple of parenting classes for parents. Um, one class we've used is a, a, 
a curriculum, a six-part series called Spiritual Parenting, which has been very well received. And we're also trying, hi, Jerry. Hey, how's it going? Well, I'm, well how are you? I'm doing well. OK. Um, the other program I want to tell you about is produced by the C.S. Lewis Institute. I don't know if you've ever been acquainted with that. But they have a program called the Aslan Academy. And they, run, they have designed a 16-week curriculum uh, for um, spiritual parenting. So that's another great thing that we're going to be doing this coming fall, beginning in September, and going all the way till whenever 16 weeks is over. I think that's Christmas time. So that's um, another great uh, resource if you want to check something like that out. Again, I get no commissions from this. But I want to tell you about the genesis of the home court advantage that even preceded me naming it home court advantage. And that was, I was trying to figure out how are we as a church connecting with families at significant moments in their child's life? What I would call the milestone moments in life. And I thought, wouldn't it be really important for the church to be relevant and aware and connect with families during those times? So we started out, I'm just going to tell you some of the things that we've done and maybe something will spark interest in, in you to do something. But the first milestone moment, of course, in, a, in the life of a family is the birth of a child, right? So I thought, now, you have to remember, this was several years ago when people still use CDs, right? They, not, not so much anymore, so we've had to alter that. But I thought, wouldn't it be a great thing for us to purchase a CD of lullabies for moms and dads and their babies so that when they're awake with their child in the middle of the night rocking that baby back and forth, that they could just be playing some Christian lyrics and singing and bringing that presence of the Lord into that room at that time. So we've, we've done that idea, but we've changed the CD idea. So now we do it like with upbeat music and scripture songs and fun things like that, that parents can put in the car because people still mostly have CDs in their cars, but not so much at home anymore, right? So anyway, we, we just keep trying to transition with the times and figure out what's the, what, what we can do. But anyway, what we did with that is we coupled that with a personal visit. So we'd have someone cook a meal for the family, make arrangements to come over, deliver the meal to the family, bring them a gift, pay them a short visit, welcome them to the church and to the nursery and to, and to bring them in. So we just wanted to be one of the first to be on that instead of of it being an afterthought for families. And that, that's been a very positive experience because families, moms and dads are like, wow, he really thought about us and took the effort to do something like that. It wasn't just you know, a card in the mail, congratulations on the birth of your son or daughter, or something like that, and you stick it in the mail. But trying to, again, the idea of being relational, of really trying to make some connections with, with families was really important to us. The next thing we do is we redesigned our baptism class because it used to be, and just to tell you a little bit about the Pittsburgh area, it's a highly Catholic area. So there's a, a, a great deal of thinking about getting my kid done. You know what I'm saying? 
Okay, because it's sort of, you, because that's their, their ticket to heaven, right? So, I'm not trying to disparage the Catholic Church, but, you know, but, but, that, but there's that attitude. And so baptism had been very much a very personal, singular experience in our church. And so, you know, if somebody had a church, uh, a baby, and they said, we want to get the child baptized, they'd look on the calendar, okay, we'll fit you in here, we'll fit you in there, we'll fit you, you know, and we'll sort of like zip you through part of the church and, and everything's done. And we said, baptism is a significant experience in the life of the family. It's ushering a child into the family of faith. Wouldn't we want to make this a more important and a more dynamic experience for the families in our church than just, you know, give you two minutes in the service to get water poured on your head and you're off to lunch. So we decided that we would have a baptism class and we would only do baptism three times a year. So that all, and we would publish the date so you could pick the date in the year that you could get your family to gather together to celebrate um, baptism together. But then we had th this class that we did and we brought the couples together who all had babies. So if you guys were, all just had new babies, you'd be sitting around a table just like this and you would be getting to know each other. And isn't that great? So that when you walk into the church, you recognize other people's faces and you have something in common with them. You have a baby in common. So that was just part of the dynamic of thinking about how to redo that. Then this other thing that, this is my favorite part of the baptism thing. We got a, a picture frame with a mat. And in advance, we would print the name of the child in a pink or blue lettering on top. So we would put Chris on top of the, of the mat. And then what we would do in the class is talk about the imprint that you as a parent make on the life of your child and how significant that is. But so do other people imprint on, on the life of your child. So we had ink pads. And we, we have ink pads. We're actually doing this Saturday. We did this on Saturday. And we um, have parents imprint the mat and they do it on each other's mat as well. And then if they have children, we let the kids do that on the mat. And then on Sunday morning of Baptism Day, we have the elders of the church imprint. We have the pastors of the church imprint. We have other people in the church who will um, pray for that child to come alongside and imprint that mat. So by the time it's done, it's filled with all these fingerprints and thumbprints all over it, which is pretty cool. But then what we do as part of the class too is we ask the parents, and this will come later, we ask them to write a letter to their child. And this comes out of a, a book called Zero to One um, that was written by Reggie Joyner. And we buy that for each of the families too to give it to them and just gives them some different ideas. But the idea of the letter is to write a letter expressing your hopes, your dreams, your desires, the qualities that you would like to instill in your son or daughter. And they put it in an envelope. And then on Sunday morning, we have one of our church members who's a professional photographer come, takes a picture of the family. We take the letter, we put it in the backing of the picture. So the families leave, well, the next week, with a framed picture of that 
of that moment, that milestone in their family's life, with the imprinting of the church around them. And this letter tucked neatly in the back of that frame for them to open up at a later time, and I'll tell you when that is. But anyway, so that's baptism. And, and oh, and the other thing we do, we do a parade of the newly baptized. So the dads, at the end, uh, we do a little slideshow up front and show pictures of babies and it's really cool and everybody oohs and ahs and isn't it cute. And then the dads walk down the aisle so that all the whole congregation can see the baby and, and make a fuss of the baby. So that, that, that's something that has just raised the idea of baptism into a celebration time. And it's been, um, and I cannot tell you, every single family, for whom we've done that have been so appreciative of what we've done. It's really um, changed the whole dynamic of how we do baptism in the church. Okay, I'm gonna move on. Okay, um, the next thing we do, another milestone moment, is when the kids are two years old, we give them my first Bible because we want, again, get the parents into the habit of reading to their children and reading the scripture on a regular basis with their children. And so we start at age two because that's when they're starting to be a little bit more engaged in that kind of activity and, and do that. The other thing we also do during the early years is we do nugget trainings with the parents on devotions for your children and praying for and with your children. And so this would be a time when family life materials would be an excellent um, resource for you to be able to pull in some activities um, with your younger children and just get in the habit of doing that just as a regular part of your daily life. And I'm just gonna tell you parenthetically one little quick story about this and why this is so important. We do it, we start at age two. And I was doing this with my own son when he was age two. And we had been reading his little story Bible. We got to the last page, and the last page of the book, of course, is about heaven. And so we read the story, and my son said to me, Mommy, how do I go to heaven? He's two. So I explained, in the simplest of terms, how you, how you go to heaven and, and what Jesus had done. And we prayed a prayer for him to receive Christ. And you might say, kids don't get that. That can't be true. Well, a few years later, I was running a program. Stephen was about five at this point, and, and I had a child evangelist come in, and, the, and he was running a program in our church. And he got to the last night, and, and my friend, who was a child evangelist, was, was giving the message about you know, inviting Jesus into your heart. And so I, I turned to my son and I said, hey, buddy, what, what do you think about what Rich is saying now? Have you ever thought about that before? And he looks at me and said, Mom, I already did that. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK. Well, that, you know, so I'm not saying that every child comes to Christ at age two, but I'm saying don't shortchange what the Lord can do in somebody's life, even at the youngest age. And I just want you to know that he is a Wheaton College graduate student. So I'm just saying. Okay, so he's, <laughs> yay. Okay, so anyway, um, in first grade, because now, again, 
another major milestone is for children who are leaving early childhood education and they're moving into the elementary grades and then going to public school for the first time. And so we do a first grade Bible presentation. And this is, this, is, this is highly, highly symbolic. But when the kids come up front to receive their Bibles, we give them new adventure Bibles, the NIRV version, because it's the third grade reading level. But it has a lot of different little boxes and questions and things that kids can read along with you and you can be interacting. So our pastor takes the Bible and he hands it to the parent. who then gives the Bible to their son or daughter. And, the, and lest anyone miss this, the symbolic nature of that, he is handing the Bible to the parent and saying, this is your responsibility. You need to be doing this with your child. That this isn't something that it's their Bible and they go home and they have to figure it out and it sits on the... Um, counter until next Sunday morning when they bring it back to church. And, so, and then we do an activity with parents to help them begin to do an, a Bible devotion with their child and help their child learn how to navigate the Bible. So it's, it's a symbolic gesture, but it's, it's a pretty clear gesture what we're trying to communicate in that moment. We also do, for some other home court advantage um, grow activities, um, we do a stewardship lesson for parents and children when they are in the elementary years. And we use Dave Ramsey's material called Smart Money, Smart Kids. And we've also used um, some ideas from Ron and Judy Blue's uh, book, Your Kids Can Master Their Money. Because we want to begin teaching them some fundamental Christian stewardship lessons and so we talk about the concept of tithing and saving and spending and so that they can begin at an early age to understand how they can be contributors and, and, and give back to God. Um, another thing we do for fourth and fifth graders is we um, decided that we would have a it's a well it's a Tuesday afternoon Bible study for kids because the curriculum, as good as, a, as, as, and there are a lot of good curriculums out there, as good as they are, and, and generally what a good Sunday school curriculum does is, is, is it teaches the Bible, right? Through Genesis, through Revelation. But there's some other topics that aren't necessarily covered within a curriculum. So you can focus more on some various topics. So like we'll spend a week talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, forgiveness, salvation, just really zero in on some key topics in the Christian faith to help, to help kids grow. So we, the kids come after school, we play games, we get pizza, they get to drink soda pop, you know, it's like a big deal nowadays because their mothers don't let them usually have it at home. But, you know, we, we, we refer to them having mixed drinks because they all like to take all the different kinds of soda and pour it all together, you know, and they think that this is really cool. So, and it's like whatever works for your, your um, kids, that's what we do. But then we end with a Bible study every week and the kids love it and they come back week after week after week. So, that's another great thing that, that we've done. Another thing that we've done, talking about milestone moments, 
The next big milestone is when a child is leaving the elementary years and going into middle school. And you know, if you have children, what a big surprise that can be for kids as they encounter things that they never heard about before, you know, when they get into middle school. And so we do this in conjunction with our junior high um, uh, staff person. And we talk about things such as, we do an all-day event and we take them up to Ligonier Camp, up to Ligonier Camp where they have adventure programming and we do all this fun stuff all day long and we weave together topics. So we talk about the assault of social media and what that's like. We talk about being tech wise, talk about peer pressure, we talk about um, how to get along with your parents, we talk about purpose for your life. So we build all of these different discussions into that and just begin to build a, a bridge between children and youth that we, because we want to have those kids stay connected as they move seamlessly through the years in our, in our programs. So anyway, that's another really fun thing that if any of you want to know anything more about that, I'm glad to share it with you. Um, we've also done um, for a number of years, a program called that's called Created in Love, and it's um, a program for moms and daughters as they transition from girlhood into womanhood. So you can sort of gather like the kinds of things that we're talking about there in Created in Love, and then this year we're going to also on on the opposite years that we do that, then we do, are going to do something for dads and sons so that again, they can be talking about those kinds of transitions um, into manhood from being a boy. Um, then we have an, another milestone moment is, again, as I mentioned, elementary into middle school. So we also do a sixth grade Bible presentation because as new adventure Bibles that they got back in first grade are not that cool anymore. So we want to give them a, a teen Bible that, you know, they won't be like embarrassed to be carrying to church, you know. So anyway, that's another um, milestone that we're recognizing again with the kids and with their families. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. Another thing that, that we've been doing that, that are I, I lost my, I must have left my sheet over there. Laura, would you hand me my notebook a second? Thanks. Um, yeah. There's, um, we wanted to be talking, thank you, Ben. We wanted to be talking about sexuality with kids as they are in high school and how that, um, oh my, I don't know where I put that. Could I see that other sheet there? I'll just have to go on my own brain. Okay, I'm not sure where it is. I'll just have to remember it. So we do, um, so they created a program called Authentic Love. And they've done it with both junior high school and high school students to help them have a better understanding of what love really looks like and, and just about, as they're thinking about dating relationships and what they're going to be doing there. So. Um, that's been a, another big thing for them. We also um, recreated, in case you're interested, the whole confirmation class um, 
by which a student can become a member of the EPC and we and it's a year-long program a school year-long program that we teach the kids and then in May we have a, a confirmation Sunday for kids to be included into the life of the church so if you're interested in in any confirmation materials I know some people have expressed some interest in that um, we have that we also do another stewardship program for kids when they're in, in high school because now they're at a whole different age and stage of life and some of them have jobs some of them are thinking about saving up money for college or for a car or for whatever and so we use again Dave Ramsey's material I believe that's called generation change and there's another one his last name is Bridges but not when I find my notes I'll let you know what it is I can't figure out where it is um, so we do that and then the final milestone that we get to as seniors is we do a baccalaureate um, service for graduating seniors but what we do in advance of that is we ask all of the students to write a letter to their parents and reflect upon how their parents have spiritually influenced their lives and, and, and what they um, contributed to their lives, which is a, a beautiful thing. But we also ask the parents to write a letter back to their child and reflect perhaps on that letter that they wrote at their baptism and, and, and de describe to their son or daughter how they see them growing and in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So that's, you know what, that probably is it. Oh, God bless you. That's it. Laura brings up her television. <laughs> I know, yes. Whoa. Uh -oh. I think that's okay because it's already on. All right. And now it's being recorded. Okay. So anyway, at, then at the baccalaureate Sunday, we have a breakfast for the families and they come to church and they exchange their letters and you know the parents if they so choose can bring that framed picture of with the imprints and, and just share that with their son or daughter and so it can it's just meant to be a beautiful moment of bringing a little bit of closure to those years of a child of a child's life so that's an, another um, wonderful experience for them. So those are the milestone moments that we're doing at the church. The other thing that we want to uh, do that, that we're very excited about is we're starting something that we call family forums. And we want to be, again, as I mentioned to you, we want to be intensely practical. We want to reach out to the community. We want to be relevant to what they're what they're concerned about. And everyone has these same concerns that when I, I tell you the hot topics, but we're, we're hoping to address them from a Christ-centered point of view to the audience that we have. So we're going to be doing some different topics such as, well, I'll tell you, this first topic, our lead-off topic is going to be done by our senior pastor because he, he's working right now as a chaplain in a college. And he finds many, many students who are coming to him wrestling with gender identity issues. And so our first hot topic that we're going to be presenting 
this fall is on gender identity. I'm talking about the whole transgender issue, the whole LGBTQ um, concerns that people have, and, and, and try to tackle that from a, from a Christ-centered point of view. I th you know, so we're hoping to invite families in our community and make that known that people can think about, wow, these people are concerned about the things that concern me or the topics that I'm wrestling with with my own children. Another thing that we're going to do, our second topic, what is it? Um, up here. Let's see. Laura, can you help me scroll up here? Where's your scroll? Just if we can just pull that up a little bit. Just right. Oh, 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 back, back, back. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, keep going, keep going, keep going. Right down to there, right there. Okay. The next topic we're going to do there's a man that created a program called Touch the Sky, and, it, and it's about smart cell phone usage geared for middle school students. Because if you're like our community, every single kid practically has a smartphone. And they even have some, some of them have smartphones in elementary school. So we want to try to give some guidance and some help on smart cell phone usage for families. And, and so that's going to be our second topic. Our third topic, which will be in the spring, will be on suicide depression and anxiety because that's a huge issue that kids are facing in school today and I have my own theories on on why that has become such a massive problem but we all know that that's true and when we have done other programs with suicide depression and anxiety those programs have been packed because everyone in this room, I'm sure, knows people who have struggled with that. Did you want to say something? Do you bring in professionals? Yes. Yes, we will. For for that, yes, we, yeah, we have a. We know we know some people who are Christian psychologists, so we're we're just not going to go there and spout off our ignorance. We're going to actually have someone share from a therapeutic point of view. Yeah, too. Um, some other topics that we're going to be covering in the future include, um, as I mentioned earlier, the whole addiction crisis in our country, the opioid crisis, um, alcohol, drug abuse, all that. Everyone here in this room has been affected by that. Not that you've necessarily been affected personally, but you know people who struggle with that. That's a, a big issue. So again, it, it will touch the hearts oh, of many people. Yes, sir. I'm fascinated by this. So when you say we're doing this, um, for all these, is it, is it, how, what does that look like? Are you hosting this at your church? Are you going off to the college campus and doing your thing there with your banner there? Or We're going to host all of these things at our church. Okay. Yeah. So we'll be, and then we'll be advertising to the at-large community to come to hear this particular speaker. Yeah. Yes. Well, the smartphone is, is definitely targeted for middle school. The other um, gender identity, we are going to do that. It, that program is just going to be for adults.
to speak to them about relating to their son or daughter. So we're going to limit that. When we get to suicide, depression, and anxiety, that's going to be geared more for kids within the junior high to high school range. Because we've done some things with adults, but we haven't done that. So each one will be a little different just depending on the type, the type of topic that we're choosing. Opioid crisis, we would just make that available to everybody. Um, we're also going to be talking about things such as race, racism, and reconciliation. We're going to do a, a topic on sex trafficking. I don't know if you all have experienced that, but you know that, that's real, it's in our communities, and we need to be addressing that. Um, what else? Um, we're going to be doing some program, I don't know exactly what it'll look like, but on social media. And we're also going to be doing another one that, that's been in the news recently on honesty and integrity when it comes to the topic of academics. And <laughs> yes, yes. So we thought that, that, that could be a highly relevant topic for some people too. So those are some ideas that, some, that we're just generating right now. And we're, we're thinking about doing it on a quarterly basis because we don't want to just inundate people, but we want to make it something that is tangible and, and, and once every three months if we do something in October, we'll do something in January, we'll do something in April, and then people can plan their schedules accordingly and participate in that. And we hope that the, it really truly will be an outreach to the community. It will minister to some people who have some real concerns and could ha hopefully point them to a place where they can find some answers to their problems. So, so when you're doing this in Beach, it's got a Christian worldview. Now that the, some of, one of the minefields to tread through is how much are you Christian? How much are you toning down that so you are not overly Christian and weird to people that are... <laughs> right. Well, I think, I think that our... Well, speaking of gender identity, I think that he will be very clear, but he will be gentle. There was... We had an interesting man, I'll just tell you, with regard to that, we had um, some uh, speakers come in for an adult audience this past year, and, and the final person we had was a professor at um, Trinity, Trinity School for Ministry. And he actually is a gay individual. But he is a gay individual who recognizes his gayness, but is chaste in his outworking of that. And yeah, and he, he would be, I'm, I'm judging you, I'm sorry if I'm judging you, but he would probably be like everybody else in this room in terms of his viewpoint on homosexuality and what the Bible says and so on, and he practices what he preaches in that. But he used a, a word that was really interesting. He said, we want to be welcoming to people, but we don't want to be affirming. So we're not embracing their lifestyle and saying that's all cool, whatever. But we want to be welcoming, and that's and that's a and that's a, a challenging balance, because you don't want to be preachy preachy, but you don't want to water down what you're saying. And so, it's important to pick speakers wisely who will be able to do that. 
and make people feel welcome in the church. So those are, how am I doing? Okay, 11.15, I think we're okay on this, right? Okay, so those are just some of the things that the church can do, and I would be happy to talk to you about any of these things. I also want to just tell you, this was not created overnight. So don't think like, oh my goodness, what are my, you know, we just picked something and then just started to work on it and tried to just try to figure about what would be highly transformational and relational in, in making these connections with families and helping, again, parents live into their role as a primary spiritual influencers. And that's us coming alongside to provide people with resources, ideas, content that they can absorb and then make part of their um, lives.